Welcome to Duct Tape and Paper Clips. I'm Nathan Hartswick. And I'm Annie Russell. This is the show where we rewatch, review, and ridicule every episode of MacGyver for the first time since our childhoods. That is correct. And tonight we are breaking down season one, episode 15, The Enemy Within. Within. Oh my God. Is it going to hold up? We'll find out. But first, uh, Annie, you work in news. And as a person who works in news, this must have been an exciting week for you. Oh boy. Yes. Uh, it was exciting. It was, I think I can say, um, without violating my company's (laughs) social media and public statement policies, I can say that there is a lot of relief, um, uh, among people in my profession, uh, because it has been one, um, fact check, uh, (laughs) frenzy after after another. another. (laughs) It has been, um, you know, the stakes have been raised and and taken to such crazy places that um, and it's yeah, it's just been such a wild four years um, of this presidency and really redefining like what journalists even like what should our role be, you know, when we have a president who is lying um, like NPR just. Uh, made the decision when he was uh, making false claims about (laughs) the election results to just cut away from it after five minutes because we just can't responsibly uh, put that on our air. So I think that there is some relief uh, that we no longer have a president that is actively um, trying to incite violence against journalists. Um, I think that is exciting too. I know. I know. I've been watching all the outlets doing that, like making the decision now to, you know, either like not disseminate stuff that he's saying that is, you know, clearly based in lies or cut away from him when he is talking and I'm like, what would it have been like if like all of journalism did this four years ago? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like why I did think it take it's this? It's really changed up kind of the the rules because typically yeah. um, I can sort of share from like a public radio perspective, like we had a policy where there you cannot internal, you can't make any internal cuts or edits to the president speaking. Like that's like a pretty like standard journalistic thing this president has turned that completely on its head because you can't let it play without inserting, oh, actually, this is a, a QAnon conspiracy. <laughs> actually, this is uh, oh, God. made up. Uh, no one knows where it came from. So, um, it's one thing so like, yeah. let the president speak for an hour and then after the fact, put out something that fact checks a couple of the things he said. But it's another one, like literally everything he's yeah. saying is just like, like, we can't keep up with this. Yeah, it's crazy. And I just don't think that those like after the fact fact checks are particularly effective because you know, the folks who need to hear that are probably not seeking out that content and listening to that. So it's sort of like a too little too late. Um, You know, of course it would break um, my time Saturday morning when I (laughs) slept in for once. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I was woken up with that news and you are at an Airbnb <laughs> right now. So this yes. is where you learned mm-hmm. of this news, correct? Uh, yes. In fact, yeah, we're so I've mentioned before that on November 21st, Vermont Comedy Club is doing a live stream show called Little State Big Laughs. Uh, and we're we're shooting some pre-recorded sketch comedy 
to insert into the live stream. And we are having such a great time. We got a, we got COVID tests for a very small group of people and a professional video guy. We've kind of formed this little movie making team that's all living together and making meals together and dressing up in wigs and making dumb comedy together. <laughs> um, and, it, and it's coming out great. But it was literally, you know, Saturday morning, we were shooting our first sketch and we were, you know, looked like a movie set. We had all the lights and cameras and everything. And someone interrupted a take because they were looking at their phone and they screamed, uh, they called it, uh, they called it. And wow. So, I mean, part of the reason we scheduled this for this weekend was, you know, whatever happens might not be a bad idea to be in the woods that weekend. <laughs> yes. So. I mean, this is one thing with COVID that I have had to sort of temper a lot of um, sort of my urges that I've had over the past several months to participate in any number of things um, like uh, marches and like, you know, things that have been happening. Um, I just am not there um, yeah, I know. To, I know. to gather in a large crowd. Um, it looked yeah. really fun. I know. And the same, same for us. Like there's, there was a little bit of like a feeling of missing out when we were seeing all the celebration in the streets and everything. And then we were like, but would we have gone down there and been in the middle of the crowd? Probably not. Um, yeah. So we probably would have missed it anyway, but it, it it was nice to see, and we could not have had more amazing weather. It was like mm -hmm. 80 degrees in November, so everyone was outside and enjoying themselves, and it really did feel like a lot of stress, you know, dissipating, at least temporarily. Yeah. So it's been fun, and uh, yeah, so this episode will probably air <laughs> a little late because of this weekend being so crazy, but we'll get yes. it out there. Well, I'm I'm excited for this episode Me that we too. recorded. Uh, it's a really good one. So yeah, uh, we have an amazing guest, a hilarious comedian. Uh, you've seen him on the Late Show and Conan and Last Comic Standing and all of that. Please welcome our pal Sean Donnelly. Hi, Sean. Hello, guys. Thanks for having me. Hello. Thanks for being here with us. We're of course. Pumped. We were just kind of talking before we got started, but how is your life going now that you're a you know a comedian who sometimes does drive-in theaters? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, that's exactly what it is. There's a lot of roofs. When I've realized this, what's happening? I'm in New York City, and I haven't left. A lot of people have left, and it's kind of sure. weird, but. Um, it's still, there's still, you know, when you have a city of almost 9 million people, you can have 2 million leave and you still have a city of 7 million people. <laughs> no, so it's, it's really packed. Uh, and the way that what's happening with standup is um, everything has become rooftops. So the past few months it's just been rooftop show after rooftop wow. show. And what I realized uh, is I've been living in New York. I'm from New York, but I've been living in New York City for 15 years. And what this COVID is as let comics, like broke comics see is uh, where rich people go on the weekends because <laughs> that's what these places are. And they're like these places like really? by the water with these amazing views yeah. that aren't being used by rich people because they all just fled the city. So oh, wow. they just now renting them out to comedy clubs and or just promoters. And you get to do your stand up set in front of like the New Yorker building right behind you or like wow. you just see down uh, on West Street over on the west side where you just see the water and you see all these buildings. It's really insane. So but this would be like the, the, the spot on the roof where like only the person who rents the penthouse would have access to. Yes, exactly. Or yeah. it's like if it, if it was an event space, like you'd have some high end cocktail party there and right. then everybody would go out and go, Oh my God, can you believe this? And it's also in all these locations in the city that there never used to be any shows like the way West side on 10th mm -hmm. Avenue and 36th street, mm -hmm. uh, West side in the West village, way West side, like where it's like money, like a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. So it's like private event spaces and stuff private like that, where spaces. it's like, but like yeah, high so end, high end. We've no. been in dive bar this this whole time, not knowing that this world <laughs> exists. <laughs> I'm sitting in Patty McGuire's with twenty bucks, waiting to go up on a yeah, stage. Exactly. <laughs> Are you enjoying it as a performance experience? I'll tell you, the performance. It's you know how outdoor or outdoor shows before this. They can be brutal. Like they, yeah, they yes. like the brutal shows. Yeah. But because people are so starved for anything at this point, <laughs> they're amazing. Like you could do like, any kind of entertainment is fine right now for people because they're like they're just chomping at the bit to do anything, you know. So right. the shows have the shows have been great, but you're just you're not in that you're not in that ideal comedy setting. But the 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 audiences kind of have made up for it by being fantastic, you know. Wow. Well, it seems like everyone wants to get out. So when you're out, you're like, this is the best thing ever. Yes. I get to see my friends. This is uh, incredible. Is there any sense of panic in the city right now that it's getting cold and we need to like get it in while while we can? I think there is a little bit. Like I think people. I I haven't really talked to anybody running the shows, but. The way, apparently, New York City bans certain kind of heating lamps. The, the fire department won't that let them be used. Oh, wow. So if you're like, if you're already losing a ton of money and you're a comedy club owner, you're not going to spend 15 grand on these and like to have an electrician come in and install professional heat lamps in a temporary space. So, yeah, I think the way the shows will go, I think they'll try to do whatever they can, but you can only ask so much of people coming out in like 30 degree weather. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you think these people are diehards, like yeah, over showing yeah, yeah. up. In Those December. are the true fans who are going to be out there bundled up. Uh, yes. Someone will. There'll be something, yeah. but uh, yeah. but yeah, I'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. There'll be something, but a lot of it'll fall by the wayside till it gets nice again. Right, right, right. Um, so I have to ask. So uh, you are in the sweet spot of a a gentleman, roughly my age, who may have watched the show when you were growing up. What is your history with MacGyver? Not only did I watch the show, I was one of my favorite shows when I was a kid. Like I yeah. didn't just check it out. Like I was obsessed with the show. Yeah, actually, it's shocking to me how much I don't remember from the show yeah. because of how much I used mm -hmm. to be. I used to watch it every week. So watching this episode, it wasn't just like a Oh, cool. Some 80s thing. It was right. like almost brought me to tears remembering watching it as a kid. Like it was like that. It was like that level. Like there's a couple of shows from my past I have that with. And the other one is Murder She Wrote because I used to oh, watch man. it. Excellent program. Excellent show. It's so good. And I used to watch oh. it with my grandmother. So I have this like yeah. nostalgic thing. But just personally, myself, I have like MacGyver. Nate, guys, I. I don't think I've watched an episode of MacGyver in 35 years. Yeah. Like 35 yeah. Years. No, that's for some reason, no one has even the diehard fans are like, it just kind of disappeared. Yeah. From that's literally world. why I started this podcast. Cause I was curious <laughs> because I haven't seen it since I was a kid and I loved it. And it's just such a different experience when you're an adult looking back on it. This is how much, you know, it disappeared that even when MacGruber came out spoofing it, it mm. didn't cause a resurgence in people watching MacGyver. Right. No. <laughs> So, so I have to ask, like, what were you looking at saying like, oh yeah, this is cool. Uh, this is what I remember. And was there anything that like you didn't remember or you were like, what was this? I didn't, it's basically just, it's a cold war show. Like there's a yeah. lot of, yes. there's a lot of Russian, Russian infiltration and spies. And, and so that's probably why I was like, oh, I don't remember it being, I thought it was more, and maybe they did get like this after a while. I thought they spent a lot of time in the States. I didn't realize how much overseas it was. I didn't, I didn't even remember like the beginning. I don't want to get into the episode yet, but like that East Germany was a thing on this 
freaking yeah, show. I, th- right. I, you know what it was? Because the two shows I used to watch as a kid were uh, MacGyver and A Team. I loved both of those. Mm-hmm. And uh, they ate. I think I put them into a basket together where they both dealt with like, yeah, they 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 went to wars overseas, but they used their skills from that in uh, in little jobs here in the U.S. And that's right. what the A Team was. They did a lot of U.S. stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's when it was a shock to me. And then. Just you know, anytime I watch anything '80s now, I'm becoming an old man. So anytime I watch the '80s, any '80s stuff now, just the way it was filmed and the corniness of it and everything about it, just it's now it's now I, instead of making fun of it, it's more heartwarming to me than anything. <laughs> it's like it, it's like how probably old people like watching like dance movies from the '40s. Like it's like, that kind yeah. of thing. like oh, Claude Rains was a dreamboat. Yeah. Like a, this like, is our singing in the rain. Uh, exactly, we're trying exactly. Which is also this is also a fantastic movie and it's a fantastic movie. <laughs> it is, yeah. but yeah exactly it it's like it's now the 80s have become a more innocent time which is like right. which mm-hmm. is crazy if you really think about it yeah yeah totally yeah and all that cold war stuff uh, i mean it comes in and out of this show and i think eventually they get away from it a little bit in later seasons but i do think that uh it th- uh, that kind of like um global kind of uh, conflict was lost on eight-year-olds you know yes, <laughs> like absolutely. we were just there for the gadgets yeah and, and the heavy-handed pro-american stuff mm. washed over me completely sure. as a child. Yeah. Like now I look at that and I'm like, that's like a lot of Well, but it was everywhere though know. when we were kids. It was like we were getting it from all sides. You right, know? right. And there's a lot of it. There's one particular line in this episode that it, it's uh, I don't know if you want to start talking about the episode, but I could, uh, when we do, I'll bring it up. Let's but. do that. Well, uh, l- let's jump right into it here. I want to, uh, for our listeners here, uh, get a synopsis to refresh everybody's memory of what happens in the episode, and then we'll jump into it. So Annie, you want to give us a summary? Yes, very briefly here. Uh, <laughs> MacGyver makes a daring escape from East Germany with the help of his fellow operative. Uh, he did that by fixing the brakes on his car during a high-speed chase while the car <laughs> was moving. Uh, he meets with his handler, Pete Thornton, who needs the help of MacGyver as well as a Russian defector, Victoria, in order to identify a mole responsible for the recent deaths of four agents. A reverend at a science symposium, for some reason, is brainwashed to kill Victoria, but he fails and is eliminated. Finally, it's revealed that MacGyver's fellow operative has been brainwashed by his own wife. Mac improvises a a piece of medical equipment to save his friend's life and apprehend the mole. And that is our episode of television. (laughs) And wow, it is just a perfect storm of 80s everything. Oh my God, so great. Yeah, we're going to talk about like what worked for us and what didn't uh, and then how it holds up now. Um, Before that, we usually talk about our first impressions. You gave us a bunch of your first impressions, but um, was there anything else that hit you um, particularly hard when you flipped this episode on? Well, I will say from watching 34, I'm 42 now from watching 40 years of television, Hmm. uh, you see the the mechanisms used in scripts in eighties TV are so apparent. They're so transparent at this point. Like there's literally once the guy, his supposed friend who doesn't know his brainwashed is brainwashed yet. Once he picks them up, there's a random, aside where he says how's your wife and it's like okay so your wife will be part of this yeah. is going to be a problem in this episode yeah. also let's be honest read that thing again like that that synopsis like it's like like somebody who wrote this episode had a was going through a divorce or some shit <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's really there's a lot of just casual like it's got to be the wife's fault. Like, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> it's like, wow, what happened to you, buddy? But but I think you're right that you can really see all the seams of every yes. single thing they're trying to do. It's it's just very apparent. It's very cookie cutter. It's very elementary considering, like, you know, we all do comedy. Like, like once you're in it enough, you see, oh, that that goes there, that goes here. Uh, even, even in the comedic moments, like the... I've left the room already, but um, the other guy continues saying the line. There's one hmm. where the guy Pete at one point, MacGyver does his dismissive leave. And then Pete says the last line of his sentence, like a full 10 seconds after, like it's such right. a beat. Right. It's such a comedic beat. It's so yeah. transparent. You're just like, buddy, that should have been a quicker. Yeah. <laughs> you should have gotten there way quicker. That should be way more streamlined from a acting and writing perspective. But, but it was the eighties and you had these guys like you, ha that's what I love about you have these guys that are these character actors that are like, it's almost like these, um, these old school character actors that they were just jobbers. They were just like there for the day job. They were yes. like, there was no, they were just like, that, it was just a factory of these things being made. And I, as kids, me and you, we're watching them like, this is my everything right now. And they're just right. like, I'm just trying to get paid and, and bring home money to my family. Yeah, right, right. And those actors, those like mostly white guys uh, were making the rounds yes. between like this and Star Trek and Chips and mm -hmm. Wonder Woman, yeah. and, like, you know, just day players on those shows. Yeah. Which is why, yeah, some of them are phoning it in, a lot of them. Yeah, that, right, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. even a guy like, like, and this is a little bit off, I don't want to go too, uh, but like Gordon Jump, who was, you know, in WKRP in Cincinnati. Like, did you ever wonder why Gordon Jump was on a big show like WKRP in Cincinnati after it was done? He was on different strokes playing a child molester. Do you ever wonder why? <laughs> why did that happen? It's like that must have been not even five years later. Like that yeah. must have been so short after it. It's like, don't you have, don't you, aren't you worried about, <laughs> but, but I don't think they care. I think he was like, I was on this. Now I'm on this. Yeah. It's almost like they're temps or something. They're just like, well, I'm filling in this week. This is just what I'm doing. Well, to the point where like, if you keep watching MacGyver, you will see some of these same actors come back two seasons yep. later, play a different character. A different completely different yeah. character. And it, it, no one cares, including me. Like yeah. I don't, it does not bother me in the context of this show because that's, it's not supposed to matter. Yeah. And I mean, going back to the, like the cookie cutter thing, like, uh, you know, I, I was mentioning like a couple episodes ago that, this basically follows a Scooby-Doo format. Yes. <laughs> we have to meet all of the characters who aren't MacGyver or Pete every single episode. It's a whole new batch of characters. Yeah. So like the yeah. bad guy, we're going to meet in the first two or three introductions. Yep. Same as Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yes, know? absolutely. It, that's what I mean. Like they, like whoever's writing these things was like, it was like, they probably just had a formula. They were just plugging these things into. Yeah. And also when you do stuff, like, I don't know if you guys felt the same way. Didn't it feel like the episode went really fast? This one Very did. Fast. That's okay. not Places. true of every episode <laughs> of MacGyver, I'm here to tell you. But yeah. uh, but this one did uh, feel like it, it went by pretty fast. And the other thing with the formula that we learned when we did this big rewatch is that MacGyver actually rips off entire plots of existing movies. And At it's least in the beginning. like a shot for shot. Sometimes footage from old movies they've like, like incorporated yeah, into the Yeah, they have scenes. really full <laughs> Footage that they've spliced in from films that came out a couple decades prior. So it's a wow. mess. Yeah. I mean, I really, it really makes you realize how disposable television was back then. There was yes. no DVR, there was no, barely a VHS, and people weren't really taping it. So, like, you're making the episode and you're throwing it away, you know? And they were watching it on the day and time it came out. And, like, right. and then you'd have reruns, but even reruns right. were like, what would you see? 
Like, I guess you had syndication for some they, shows. They would get reruns if they got into syndication, right? And even then, they yeah. chop it all up for television and cut scenes out for commercials and stuff. Yeah, and this was before that, so they had no idea whether or not anyone no. would ever see this again right. when they're <laughs> like putting it together, which uh, has to be sort of fun. That's why you have this like community theater element to MacGyver, because it really <laughs> feels like, okay, yeah. we're doing That's it. We're on the show again this week. Waiting for MacGyver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. That should have been the title of this podcast uh, oh my God. you're right that's a great way to put it a community theater aspect to it because because you know they were like hey bill how's your kid like you know they just all knew each other like it was just like <laughs> they were just trading off episode after like, i can't do this one i'll do the next one like, like yeah. you know like we'll have you back well, we've already seen an episode with uh, one of my MacGyver's buddies was an actor who was up for the role of MacGyver and didn't get it. <laughs> and he just they oh. just handed him like episode four or five or whatever. They handed him a guest spot. That happens in a lot of shows, though. They bring them the guys who are going to be the guy. They bring them back. The Office did that as well. The Office, mm -hmm. like, people let people try it out for. They brought him back for guest spots. And but, that's why um, you have all these people that look similar. Like every guest right. star. I'm like, wasn't this a guest star before? And but no, it's like a guy with the exact same type. look. Yeah. I wonder if you could chalk. That you could also chalk that up to like less people acting, like mm -hmm. le there was less of everything back then. Like, not that not that you didn't probably have a lot of aspiring actors, but they were probably like, and also the nepotism factor and the whole mm -hmm. like breaking right. into that world was so much harder. Yeah, I think so too. And and yeah, and there's so and there's so much less content, so they don't need as many people, right? E exactly. And I think the people producing and writing them, like I think, because this was also a, this was a Stephen J. Cannell show, wasn't it? You know. I don't Stephen Cannell, he was the guy. The, well, there was Sidhu Brusset. That was a big one. Remember Sidhu Brusset from back uh -huh. in the day? Yes. And Stephen J. Cannell was the guy at the typewriter, and he would mm. take the paper and go like this, and then it became his logo. <laughs> right, and right. Be, like, Oh, I do remember this. I think We're he did this. He did Airwolf. Yeah. He was like the executive mm. producer in these shows. So these guys would just be like, I'm going to – I'm in the Hollywood system. I'm going to try to get whatever I can on. And they they try to bang these things out. Right. And then they hire Henry Winkler to, yeah. oh, <laughs> to produce Henry Winkler's it. Producer, who has no yeah. experience. Yeah. yeah. Is that what happened with that? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah no. This was his, the first show he they ever produced. They paired him with like yeah. an oh. older seasoned producer. And yeah, this is his first show. Oh, that's so funny. Because even at the end, it says like Winkler something productions, whatever. And it's another funny thing as far as the episode goes. When he mentions, Pete mentions the defector and doesn't mention what sex the defector is. And then when the woman walks in, that's supposed to be a reveal. A gasp. Yeah. A gasp. <laughs> yeah. But it's not now. It's not, it's, it's not at all. It's just, yeah, she's a defector. And then MacGyver is like, well, how dare you put this woman in to do this by herself and all. Yeah. And, but like back then that was a thing. That yeah, was, there you're was putting a, thing. a helpless woman in danger. Yeah. yeah, putting a yeah helpless that woman was in supposed yeah. to be the big, like the doctor is a woman. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Uh, let's break it down a little. Um, like, what did you guys think about this entire like opening <laughs> scene in the I, forest and the I car chase? I thought it was pretty. It's it. It was great to see East Germany again. They were they were, <laughs> they were flourishing during this. Also, I I'm guessing that's the East German army office, but I was like. Nazis. They just look like Nazis. A lot like Nazis. Yeah. 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 I think that and, was the whole goal. You know. I mean, that whole scene, that standoff between the soldiers and the guy with the dog and MacGyver and stuff. Uh, I was like, this could be 1942. Like, yes. There's no, and this is the case. Whenever we go overseas with MacGyver and we meet any kind of local, it feels like the local is circa 1900. 
Like that outfit Everybody, he has on with the sweater and the belt and the little hat with the feather yeah, and the yeah. bloodhound. I'm like, he's herding sheep. While have he's, you seen an Austrian person since 1912? Yeah, exactly. This is the issue I had when they were in Central Asia. I yeah. was like, you have picked people from the 1700s. To, this is supposed to be 1984. That also is that goes back to that the the hoorah America stuff that's going right. on. Right. It's like everybody else is third world. Even this right. guy in yes. Germany, which is yep. not the case. Everybody else that we're not on the that's not on the side of us is backwards. And right. Right. you know whatever it is. Yeah, but they really hit us over the head with that. And then the other thing is like I feel like this is not even MacGyver's first trip to East Germany. Like I feel it's like not supposed to be. It's, not, it's like the yeah. third so far. Yeah. The third in a season of television. Yeah. He's okay, cool. MacGyver's back in East Germany. And like for someone who's going behind uh the Iron Curtain so often, he's pretty terrible at German. <laughs> <laughs> well I that, liked that I liked when he was did. like just yelling uh gibberish in German. I I for I have the reason, translation here if you want to hear it. <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> it's like, idiot. Uh, I'm a Soviet <laughs> officer and we have to go to the house, please, for one of our s- friends is there in the applesauce or at the airfield. And she is my wife. <laughs> That's what he That's was saying. That's funny. Yep. Well, I did love that they still stayed true to the MacGyver brand, even with that little motion of having him throw the chicken for the dogs. Like, <laughs> That's a MacGyverish thing to do to get out of a sticky mm-hmm. situation. Right, so. right. So I was like, yeah, at least you're, you're MacGyver's quick thinking, man. Like, I love that too because uh, I, I I was like, finally he's running. Like so often he sits and tries to invent something when he should be running. I was like, that's good. <laughs> he just threw the bird and ran. That's exactly what you should be doing. Um, and the and opening I, was like he had that was. <laughs> You know, some of the the more action packed we've seen for the whole episode. I mean, the rest of the episode is like so talky and so like two people in a room talking about what's going to yeah. happen. So yeah. it was kind of nice to have a little uh, texture and movement at the beginning. Yeah, totally, they, they blew the whole action budget in the beginning. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> like the just certain things stick in your head from when you were a kid, and the way that that guy, the actor, the actor who plays MacGyver, runs is so goofy. It's so he's so lanky and it's like. <laughs> He gets his whole arms and body into it. And I'm like, this is not an Ethan Hunt Mission Impossible precise <laughs> run. This like wastes a lot of energy when he runs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the so we have that incredible uh, stunt sequence. For the time, that might, must have been unbelievable, hanging off the car like that. Uh, it's so clearly not him, but but it's a great stunt. That's another thing. Another pull behind the curtain moment was stuff like that. And also stuff in the opening of the show where they show him like jumping onto the helicopter bottom, but it's like three feet from him. Like, I think that's, yeah. it's all made to impress. I guess it was made towards little kids, that show. So it was like, or 12 year olds at least. So like, I remember being a kid and being like, oh my God, everything that happens on this show is just amazing and insane. And I can't believe they're doing these action sequences. But then when you watch it, you're like, oh, I can almost tell you how they did that. Like, it's yeah, like exactly. that. Right. Like the scene with him hanging off the hood is like, okay, so clearly he's on like when they need a, close-up of his face with the with the background going by he's on yeah. a truck he's fixed on a truck in a, sh- yes. in a close shot yeah. and then the wide shot is the stuntman until the very last shot when the car stops and and like literally richard dean anderson is like clinging to the car as it like rolls to a five mile an hour stop and then he like gets off the hood and gets in the car it's so, yeah and it's a very wide shot so it's like everything's very forgiving um yeah and or like the punt the the sort of like fight sequence that happens in the ballroom at the end when he like shoves a television at them and stuff is so clunky <laughs> Like by today's st- 
standards, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe I ever thought this was like, it got my adrenaline. Oh, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm, yeah. as a kid, you're like, oh my God, like you're freaking out. <laughs> and then you watch it now and you're like, oh, all of this was an afterthought. Like, like you know, it's one of those things where you're like, all this was was like, okay, uh, Richard, what do you want to do? Do you want to just throw the TV at him? Like it's, it's that kind of, <laughs> It's not like a choreographed born. Yeah, yeah they don't. They don't have Jet Li coming by to do that. You know, they don't have a a, a, a fight uh, choreographer. Right. And just like, oh, what's easier for you? Uh, throw the TV and just run out of the room, and then yeah. we'll, we'll we'll just tape you running. And the, it, like they just. Just it literally it. feels like me and my friends with the camcorder being yeah. like, okay, how are we going to do this? Yeah. Right, throw this thing at him. Like it does feel that way. Yeah. And, and then it really is because they're just like, we're just trying to get this done. It's like right. that. And it makes us feel like uh, as modern uh, viewers and as adults watching it, it's the contrast is so great between a professional stuntman uh, riding on the hood of a car who looks nothing like him, but is going like 50 miles an hour in the hood of a car. And then that like scene where he just shoves a television. It's like the difference. Yeah. So great. In yeah. What about the hypnotism equipment that is clearly <laughs> like from Spencer's gifts? It's like a little so thing yeah. spinning so around. Dumb. Like, a, what am I looking at? It was a thing from Ever See Cry Baby with John Waters when when he's trying to hypnotize yeah. Penny. They have Penny, <laughs> and they have he has a stick with that same thing on it. That's the swirling mm. uh, hypnotist thing. It was the that I think I feel like that particular swirl and the idea mm -hmm. of hypnotizing someone was very big in the eighties. Yes. Like in the back of a Boy Scouts magazine or something you would get yeah. like hypnotizing kid and would have that little thing a pinwheel yeah. thing this was their version of Manchurian Candidate it was like that yeah, kind of right, thing like, right. I think that's where it all comes from and then they just stepped it up with the whole you see a swirl that, it's, that's what you need you need like these like almost like these trademarked images that you're trying to if you're trying to convey to an audience hypnotizing is going on they go once you see those swirls as a kid you you yeah. even get you it you do like that, know that or a yeah, watch going back means. and forth either one yeah 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 that or a watch going back exactly exactly yeah. We meet his babe of a wife, Ingrid. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Which I actually, I didn't mind this scene. I thought it, this one was kind, the dialogue was kind of cute. Like, oh, and he goes, you and he goes, you guys carry on what you were doing. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. One. yeah, I, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. MacGyver's trying cute. to be funny this entire episode, and this is the one time mm -hmm. where I felt like it kind of worked. Uh, and then he, uh, I realized the next two scenes are identical in what they achieve. So like <laughs> basically uh, MacGyver and Pete argue and, and Pete is like, I need you to do this thing. And, MacGyver's being all like cheeky and jokey and being like, fuck you, I'm not going to do it. And then like the very next scene, Pete goes to his apartment and they do it all over again. Yeah. He's like, what a waste of time. Home and they continue having the same conversation. So dumb. I have a lot that I felt was wrong with this. <laughs> also, what the hell is with MacGyver's apartment? Why did it look like that? I'm a, I'm not a real I'm not a super neat guy, but MacGyver, get your life together. What are you, he was like uh, like a pack rat what are like they a hoarder like, yeah the hoarder he was a yeah hoarder. <laughs> it really was i could not imagine because so like they established that he's moving so i'm like all right fine he's moving but mm. the amount of personal belongings that were in that apartment i was like there is no way macgyver <laughs> would ever guy. have this much stuff as a <laughs> right. single guy alone ever no you can just like see the director being like, there's not enough shit in the shot. Put more shit yeah. in the shot. There's, like, there's throw so stuff much everywhere. garbage. I yeah. was so stressful. I am like such a minimalist and I could not watch that scene. <laughs> I was breaking out in hives watching the amount of shit that he had in his apartment. Now, and well, did you like the, I have to ask, did you like the Bannister's apartment? Because that was, 
gorgeous from a from an 80s oh if you're into 80s glass like everything is sleek then yeah everything's white except for like a few rose gold accents in the it condo actually looked like a hotel room it didn't yeah, even look like it was it probably was a hotel room that yeah. they filmed in. <laughs> it probably anyway, was so you uh, annie you had thoughts about this whole like uh was it the defector scene with pete and everything the the defector scene i thought it was so bizarre uh how resistant he was to doing this job for no reason. It was really weird. <laughs> yeah. And, and also it was like, this is your, this is what you do. Like, it's your you job. know, yeah. it's another one of those tropes coming in where you're like, you know, you're going to say yes to doing it. It's like, you know that you're yeah. going to have to do this. It doesn't really play anymore because we've now seen like several episodes where like he always does the right thing. He's always the principled person in the situation and he's always the one trying to get other people to like do the right thing. So mm-hmm. the fact that four of his colleagues are dead and he wants a vacation is like, doesn't really track with his character. Also, the guy Pete had the worst reasoning about why he shouldn't do it. <laughs> Like why he why he had to do it because he was yeah. like, what are you gonna take all this stuff down to your shack by the beach? It's like who's shitting on moving to the beach? Yeah, right. I'm like the he's beach. it's Venice Beach. Do you have any idea how much that shack costs? <laughs> yeah. like, oh my god! He's like, it's like oh, you can't make the case for for not moving to the beach. Like he was like, yeah, yeah. You know, it, but you know, as a MacGyver fan, uh, uh, Sean, where he's going, like where his next real living situation is don't you no i forget i haven't watched this in so long in, I totally in later forget. seasons he lives on a houseboat Do you oh know that? i did know that i yeah. did know that yes, yeah. yes so i don't know if he's making the move there now but he starts in an observatory that's right. where he lives in <laughs> yes. the first episode and then he's in then he's in an apartment where he's best friends with his landlady and plays <laughs> foosball with her by the way the foosball table was not in this episode nope. i don't know where it was and Already packed up <laughs> now he's moving to a beach shack. He moves a lot. It's yeah. stressing me out. Like, what you know, are you running you know from? What that is? That's them going, what's the fantasy for the single guys watching this show? Yeah. He's, yeah, he, so th- that's supposed to be impressive. It's like, he, he's at, nothing's tying him down. He just goes wherever he wants. He's, he's, a, man, he's, a, he's a confirmed bachelor. He's on the prowl. Right, right. Except he has more shit than you and I put yeah. together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just moved to my the first, my, living alone in my first place ever in my life. Hmm. I don't have an eighth of what he yeah. had in that apartment. <laughs> you don't have fe- you don't have fencing swords kicking around. Oh yeah, <laughs> fencing swords which were not packed. I love that. That's the last thing yeah. he wanted to pack away. You want to keep those out. Oh my god. All right, hold it steady for me, will you? Yeah, that not tying you down thing really resonates because like we are all so tired of the idea of like the the grown ass man who won't grow up because that became like a subsequent generation of men. Right. But yeah. like at this point, that was kind of like a like an anomaly. Right. The guy it who was settled down was kind of like still seen as romantic as opposed to pathetic. <laughs> Yeah, he was seen like seen. It was seen like adventurous and like he was right. a rebel, and it was like that version of it. So him being like, "I live in a houseboat now." It's like, yeah. oh yeah. my god, whatever. There's right. there probably I don't know who. Try is- that now. Try that now with a Tinder date and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is pre like reality bites. Ethan Hawke it becoming like slacker cool. Like this is like the prototype of that. Um, yeah, things were way more buttoned we- up. It was like not a, no no grunge, no this, no that. Yeah. Yeah, but what did we think of uh, Victoria? 
<laughs> okay, the, so Victoria is clearly an older woman. Um, yes. uh, I did not realize they were introducing her as a potential romantic interest. I didn't either. That, uh, I actually did not think that at all. And I, I didn't thought, have a problem with her being older. I thought that was cool. I just didn't think she... I was like, what? This looks, yeah. She looks like kind of like an old lady. Like uh, Everybody on TV looked older back in the 80s. Like, I thought... Yeah. Right. True. It's almost like if you were 25 or 65, you dress like the Golden Girl. So you yeah. aged mm-hmm. yourself <laughs> into the clothes. Aged and the, and the, the hairstyles yeah. aged people as well. Yes. I'll say yeah. that. So that is big. I mean, I've seen pictures of people in the 80s and I'm like, you look like you're in your mid 40s and this is your high school graduation. Yeah. <laughs> like, what am I looking And that at? whole first scene, you know, he... Uh, she says some weird uh, cryptic thing about John Wayne to sort of like man, man him up into doing the, the so gig. They have the call back at the end of the episode. And then yeah. she calls him a Russian word for bo- like bonehead or jackass at the end. And so I, I genuinely didn't think anything of it. And I, and then like later when they start hitting at each other, I'm like, what's happening right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a really poorly attempted romance. Um, yeah. And they uh, had zero attention. chemistry. Like those two had that, zero. Yeah, no chemistry. I, and also because here's the thing now shows you, can you can have somebody like that in a show and there's no romantic quality to the plot whatsoever and you so don't we're need thinking it, right? with yeah. those brains but back then right. it had to be that every episode macgyver's or every other episode at least macgyver's interested in somebody yeah or if there was a woman in the episode that was within 15 years of either direction of him he, she was going to be a love interest of some kind there was, yes why yeah. else would you have a woman in a tv show like this yeah right? it's yeah well yeah they're not passing the, the bechdel scale on this one <laughs> no no they actually kind of are because she was an integral part of the plot so yeah, I mean, that's she better than a lot of other was, things. It's better than yeah. the Entourage movie, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she was uh, she was a kind of an expert in her field, which is always something we like to see. Uh, yeah, but right. she is trying to make out with him in a very unprofessional way. I'm like, I'm just yeah. glad he yeah. was into it because uh, that could have <laughs> come across a lot differently. Yeah, that whole scene was cringeworthy yeah that was, I, that was I, cringe hard to she watch. was like kiss me and she's like no really kiss me and then she's like now i trust you well and then she kind of tries to pass it off like oh i needed that because now you can hypnotize me i was just like that was unnecessary there was no reason for that uh, and again it's that like vulnerability of like the woman needs the man to like make her feel like safe and taken sure. care of yeah it's like Sad. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? I'm not. I'm. I'm, I'm not sitting here thinking like, "Hey, we should apologize for '80s TV at all." But it's like, <laughs> but it, but when you see when you do see these things now, you're like, "Ah, yeah, that would." Like, I'm yeah. kind of glad it doesn't happen now. Just it. It's like it just makes you realize how much things have matured and our standards as an audience. Like, this is yeah. post so much good television that like we're not gonna put up with this clunky writing <laughs> and these like unnecessary characters anymore as an audience because yeah. we can watch anything yeah uh at the time <laughs> you know this is similar to a lot of shows in the way they treated um any woman who's on the show it, it is sort of like an ongoing annoyance that he has to make out with all of them um, but you know yeah, uh, but that, but there you go. I think that was the the goal more than just the the woman's role. That woman's role in the episode. I think it's more the thing of like, look how much of a bachelor he is. That mm-hmm. was the whole idea. Where it's like, man, he's he's like this. It's like it was like it, I think they were going for like a James Bond thing, but the modern eighties version. Right. The other funny part about the episode is that I don't know if you noticed the spies even call him MacGyver. Like even the guy. <laughs> 
<laughs> Everyone over Everyone says his name constantly. <laughs> they really want people who are tuning in in the middle of the episode to know what they're watching. So what they they're keep watching. saying his name. Yeah. And, and, and right. anybody who's met him, they start immediately calling him Mac like fairly quickly, even if they don't know him. Um, <laughs> it's very strange. But the best, the best line of the episode, in my opinion, uh, was the pickup line that he says to <laughs> oh, her God. when they were trying to manufacture some chemistry Jesus. between these two characters. And she tells him about uh how parents in china apparently uh you know try to make their children feel bad um by calling them ugly and oh right says to her if we were in china i would be obligated to call you the ugliest woman in the world (laughs) i was like this is the original negging this is a pickup artist uh prototype Yeah, that's, that's oh. what the that's what the mullet was. It was peacocking. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what the MacGyver mullet, the eventual MacGyver mullet, was peacocking. Uh, yeah, that's just bad, oh. straight up. And, I mean, bad that's writing. like misogynist and racist at the same yeah, time. Yeah, no, we're doing strange all, folks. We're the doing Chinese, he says. How weird are Chinese people? Right, like that's right? literally the point of that. <laughs> like it's it kind of fits into what we we're talking about before about how like. Hoorah, America. Look how weird. Even even they didn't realize they were doing it, but like that does fit into the whole, oh, yeah, in China, this weird thing happens. And then they kind of goof on it and make fun of it. It's like, yeah, com, those damn commies, those damn, you know, whatever. It also makes you want, it makes you realize how little we actually knew about the world then and how like we just kind of bought into whatever propaganda. Like there was so much more trust in the government, I think, in the 80s than there is now. 100%. And so what we were being told was like, okay, the, the enemy is like, you know, East Berlin, behind the Iron Curtain, the com- communists, the USSR, the Chinese, but we didn't have a real, like, we weren't able to, like, see any media from those places or go on the internet yeah. and research those places. And also, like, you've got to figure some of the writers and producers of this are older guys who probably right. fought in Korea or yeah. some <laughs> shit. Like, the, yeah. like yeah. still yes. this mentality that's coming from that. We, our only exposure to those things was MacGyver and Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So like you just like encyclopedias I used for book reports or, and reports for school and then whatever TV shows you're watching. So that you really were, I don't think they were purposely trying to indoctrinate, indoctrinate, indoctrinate you. Indoctr- am I, what's the word? <laughs> indoctrinate. Indoctrinate. Why can I not think of that? I'm tired, I guess. Um, because you were raised on Encyclopedia Britannica <laughs> and <laughs> MacGyver. Indoctrinate. Um, not that they were trying to do that, not that there was a, a specific agenda, but I think what it was is what you're saying. These guys were old school. They came from, they probably fought in Korea and now they were like these hard nosed TV producers. And they were like, make a joke about the commies in the middle yeah. of the episode. <laughs> like they, like, like the whole thing is just, ah, screw these commies. Ah. It does feel. Yeah. That my New York uncles wrote this show in some way. <laughs> Like, I'm like, these are the same conversations that I grew up with. <laughs> so uh, we, we haven't really talked much about the fancy event, which is like the sort of James Bondy event, the science symposium. But I, uh, I was, it's so funny because uh, in the previous episode, I guess, um, he's making breakfast with his landlord and he's showing off this robot that he has that's making breakfast for them um and that robot and this robot are like such 80s ro- with the like the, the, I noticed the, the plastic robot right arms away. i was waiting for the robot to start rapping if that would yeah been <laughs> like our idea of what a cool robot was was just like oh it can roll around and bring us shit wow <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
It looked like one of the robots from Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is futuristic, man. That's what I mean about early on when I was like, it was so much more innocent because you were like, you, when especially when you're a kid, you're like, you don't know. A robot was just vacuum tubes and a couple of lights going off. And like, right. and you're like, and then it, we had such a, it was the early, early years of like the, you know, the Silicon Valley stuff and all that. So you, I, nobody knew anything about that stuff. Like it was, it was lame to be into that type of stuff. Right. When you see a robot, it would just be like a TV type robot. Yeah. And what you're seeing on TV, what you're seeing on TV is basically like some prop master who's like, knows generally what a robot looks like, who has a better budget than you as a 10 year old kid does. (laughs) And so they make something that looks like like when you're a kid, you're like, I, I can make something that looks like that out of a refrigerator box. In fact, yeah. my nephew Carter, who has been on this podcast before, uh, just <laughs> sent me, uh, I was FaceTiming with him and he just made his own Halloween costume. And it's literally a cardboard box with a giant rectangular hole in it. And he put lights all over it and he gets inside of it and does a robot voice and waters. He made the whole thing and by himself. Got probably better than this robot. In the it's <laughs> basically exactly the same thing. Let me ask you this. Is your nephew, so he watched an episode for the podcast? He watched a scene from an episode yeah uh okay oh i was gonna i was wondering if he would like because how old is he he's seven and he's very mechanically inclined and i uh, wonder if he would if he would dig the show because he. Well, I, I mean by the end of the scene he was like can do you have any more episodes of godiver can we watch more godiver <laughs> <laughs> yeah because we were wondering like would he be like no this is lame i watch I, he has very limited live action uh tv experience it's all animated you know so this is yeah. like mm-hmm. you know but he, he doesn't have anything to compare it to. You're right. Like, I think the animation stage goes longer than it did with us. And because mm. I was watching A-Team, I was watching that. And was, also, like, these shows were, uh, they were made for broad, broad audiences. Like, yes. because these network, t- like, the three main networks were still basically babysitting your kids at night. And it yeah. had to be, like, something dad could find cool, but also the kids could watch without it being inappropriate. And that's how yeah. I watched it, because my yeah. dad and my brother were watching it. And sure. it was like, what is something everyone... Yeah. And the fact that there was no guns <laughs> is like a, you know, it teaches a lesson or whatever, right? Yeah. 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 You ever notice like, now, yeah, granted, you know, a, a, a lot of parties happen in real life, but a lot mm-hmm. of TV shows, there was a lot of banquets, like, yeah. a, lot, a lot of Love <laughs> yeah. Boat, that, yeah. all these shows, they had these fancy banquets and I, yeah. where people were like, everybody was in like tuxedos and whatever. Like that was a big thing in the eighties. It was like the cocktail party on the mm-hmm. show or the, well, or I mean, the, you, know. the, you get a couple of things out of that. You get the, the, the illusion of like excess and luxury, right? Yes, Your TV yes. show looks beautiful, but also that's super cheap to do. Get a bunch of extras, put them in tuxedos. The conference room at the hotel has all the power you need for, to bring in a crew. Yeah. Like you can make a pretty expensive looking scene and absolutely you know. bring, bring in the priest to shoot, shoot some <laughs> the priest. Do they? I must have missed this. The priest shoots. Who does he shoot at? Oh, I wanted to say that because what happens is like he takes the gun out, he shoots it. They cover her and go to the ground. We hear more gunshots, but we never see what he's shooting at. Like they yeah. just they just missed that coverage entirely. So we just like we just assume he was firing at them, but he doesn't hit anything so or anyone. They don't even do an establishing shot of who he's no. aiming at or anything. Nope. <laughs> it's very uh, it's confusing like it makes me wonder if there's an entire scene that should have there's been gotta be. but like all you would have needed is like he shoots the gun right and they tackle her i just needed to return to him and have him be pointing the gun in their general direction like <laughs> like shocked yeah that's, that's, that's the one shot and I. and that's needed. what it would have been <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, and also, but they also never explain why it's the priest that does it. The reverend. Where does he, where did he come from? He was, he was just giving a talk at this party. And why did he need to be a reverend? <laughs> like that is the That's what I mean. part about it. There's it's no, so I mean, it's, it's, it's weird enough that, okay, we have a priest who is making a speech at a science convention, but why? <laughs> like the whole thing. I, uh, I mean, it, it's all yeah. about peace, right? This whole thing is supposedly about peace. So maybe that was the idea. Well, but, um, I guess they, you don't. That's what I mean by the whole Cold War thing. You really don't even need to spell things out when at the end of the day, it's just, oh, we're stopping the Russians. That's all we're doing. We're stopping mm-hmm. the Russians. Because even the whole idea of defector, like you knew there's shorthand when you knew exactly what that was because, hey, our whole thing is, communism is the issue. Speaking of uh, communism versus capitalism, uh, there was one thing I wanted to call out, which is that Pete takes her over to show her all the fancy gadgetry in this ballroom. And there's that ultra high pitched sound frequency machine that later comes in useful. We need to set up what that thing is and what it does. Yeah. So Pete explains to her that it's used for like cleaning silver. And her oh, response I, is, I was going to bring this up, but yeah, go yeah, ahead. Sorry. It's yeah. everything. Well, she says it's everything in America related to money. And he says, actually it's used. We also use it for mining um, because that uh, means there's no pollution and no lung damage. And then, so she apologizes as though she's in the wrong. And I was screaming, Mining is still about the money. Yeah, like, oh, that's, that's true. I thought that <laughs> it's too. It's still money. This is such a blind spot. Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, but th- that's the exact line that I wanted to say about like her apologizing would not have been a thing if it was now. Yeah. So you know what I mean? Like she wouldn't have said, "Oh, I'm sorry," because back then it was, "You've insulted my country." Right. Now, right. right? That that line would never had to have been apologized for because you either the the American character would go, yeah, of course, like it would have yeah. been like an, an aside, right. or would have been a thing of like, yeah, it's no big deal. You can say whatever you want about America. Like it's like, yeah, right, that right. kind of thing. Yeah, that, now yeah. it would be like she had a good point, and we should all talk about it. <laughs> like <laughs> then. <laughs> It was like apologize for it. Now I yeah. feel like that would it would be the thesis of the show. Totally, yeah, that's a good point. But the, but the, just the fact that she apologized for it, and I was like, his whole point, his whole defense of this technology is also like completely about the money. You know, yes, like you right. wouldn't be mining thing. coal if it wasn't about the money. Yeah, nobody mines coal for a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> so what did we think about uh, MacGyver grabbing that machine and uh, frying the guy's glasses? That was that was hilarious. They just broke. The, it's also like so you you they you you hit him with the machine exactly right to break both both <laughs> right. eyeglasses. Like you know, you know what's crazy is we're goofing around about MacGyver. You know, it's, it's a corny show, but you know that you do you know about the Cuba thing with the sound? No, that Cuba was they had um, like not dignitary like diplomats over in Cuba. And I think it was some. It was a couple of American ones. They were making sick because they had them staying in these houses, and they were pumping sound waves that were making them sick into the house. Mm-hmm. This really happened like oh, wow. a year ago, like two years ago, whatever it was. So mm-hmm. all I could think about was like, oh yeah, this is so much fun. But I'm like, oh, but that really did. They did use sound as a they weapon. Weaponized for real. this shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they made them physically ill with like specific frequencies. Is that yeah? They they, they they were getting sick and they didn't know why, and then they found out it was because Cuba was doing this to them. Wow. Jesus. Yeah. 
Man. That is, you know, as I've always said, MacGyver ahead of its time. <laughs> I mean, if you can probably create like general sound frequencies that uh, uh, disrupt the entire internal organ, you know, of a human body, but to get the exact right frequency to break a specific set of yeah. eyeglasses from across the room <laughs> might be a little more difficult. <laughs> I liked that because like I that's too, the yeah. kind of fun stuff that I want yes. out of this show. Right. Yes. You know? yes. I, I liked how quickly he moved. For... He like had the idea. He ran over there. He smashed a bunch of champagne glasses and this happened. It was kind of fun, yeah. Oh, Annie, and Nathan, make, make no mistake. I like <laughs> all of it. I like <laughs> all of it. Like, I'm, not, I'm not saying, hey, like, I've never watched this. I, <laughs> I'm on board the whole time. Oh, you have no idea how happy that makes me because so many <laughs> guests are like, yeah, this was int- this was entertaining. I'm never watching an episode yeah, of this like, again. Like this is so bad. Uh, yeah. But you know, it's it also depends on the episode. Like I will say that this was one of the ones I enjoyed more um, oh, yeah. of, mm. of the season. Like mm. I don't know what it is. I just liked any kind of espionage plotline. I'm always into. Yeah. I love the goofy pro America Cold War uh, tropes, <laughs> and it's just it's funny yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some goofy humor in this when they were really trying to be funny. Um, the the scene in the autopsy room there with the egg rolls uh, was their attempt at a little like lighthearted joke. Oh, I don't scene. remember that scene. Um, the guy's just conducting the autopsy, but the whole time he's eating his egg rolls and he's cracking jokes with MacGyver. And oh, the, the whole right, joke is right. that Bannister can't like can't stomach it. Which, by the way, Bannister, the minute he showed up in that car, I was like, this guy's a real Charles Grodin energy about him. Uh, for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. I could have seen Groden playing this part. Oh, absolutely. Groden could have been could have been here. I, I don't know like. if they could get Groden though. Groden was Probably too big at that point. So. You know? um, but anyway, uh, that scene was cute. And, and the reason I really bring it up is because uh, there's a little piece of trivia, which I found when I was digging around, which is that is this is the one scene in this episode where if you look closely... MacGyver like has his leather jacket over his arm the whole time and he's hiding. You can see it like in a quick shot that he's hiding a cast. Um, oh. because he broke his hand in this episode doing one of the, it doesn't say which action sequence he was doing, but he broke his hand during this episode. And then I can't wait to see the next two episodes because apparently they try to hide it. Um, in the next two, ep- I don't oh know, like today God. you would just shut down the whole production for six weeks, but they kept pr- producing episodes. That's what I'm talking about. I know. They were just <laughs> basically, this, back then it was just a fucking chop shop. Yeah. <laughs> they were just making these, they were just it like, really is, let's get it done. Let's get yeah. it done. Yeah. So we'll, we'll invent a way to hide your broken hand for two episodes. And they also, one of my favorite things also is one of the, as far as these shows go is once the, once the turmoil is done, the music, there's an obvious change in the music. Yeah, and then right. you get you get that sitcom music at the end when everything's okay and everything's fine. And you and I've watched so much TV in my life, I'm conditioned to know yeah. you're like, okay, here we go again. This I is remember growing up, I remember because I came from a musical family and we used to watch TV together and often make fun of it because we also did a lot of theater and so we would make fun of bad acting and all sorts of stuff growing up. Like me, my mom, my dad, my sister, like we just sit there and like rag on shit. And I remember that our big go- joke about Full House was that like like, you know, we're four minutes from the end of the episode when you hear the DX7 Yamaha synthesizer come in. <laughs> because like that, that was what like when when Danny took Deej aside for a heartfelt talk, that's yes. the m- music that would play. And then he would tell one little joke to get the audience to laugh again. And then the credits would roll. Yeah. And it's just like this formula stuff. Me and my, it's funny you brought the thing about your family. That's so funny because we used to, me and my sisters used to watch TV together. And we would do this thing where, speaking of repeats, like we were talking about before, like, you know, playing the episodes again. 
I don't know if you know this, but a lot of these shows, MacGyver actually might have done it. Would they, at the end credits, would they show clips from what you just saw in the episode? Yeah, freeze they, still, still. Freeze frames. Yeah, still, yeah. Now, back in the day, a lot of these shows, especially the sitcoms, would show you those freeze frames. And sometimes they'd show you a picture of something that they didn't have in the episode that yes. was cut out. Totally. And for some stupid reason, me and my maniac sisters, instead of reading books like we probably should have been doing... <laughs> We would watch an episode of a sitcom and then watch for those freeze frames. And then we'd sit there on every frame and go, saw it, saw it, didn't see it, <laughs> saw it. I, there was no purpose for doing that. There was right, nothing. Right, right. There was, it wasn't even a game. It wasn't even yeah. like, hey, name as many as you can. It was just like, we're just shouting at the TV. We're just yeah. a bunch of morons. Now, that's, that's adorable for a bunch of children to do. But I must confess that I was so excited when we got to about episode five or six of this show when I had tabulated... All of the all of the moments in the MacGyver theme song where you see all the little things he does where he like, you know, yeah, the, the arc welding and oh, him well, you, and the well, helicopter. The episode, like, yeah. Every every one of those shots comes from the first four or five episodes yeah. of the yeah, show. Yeah, so it was a mix of all these different episodes. Right. And every time I saw another one of those shots in an episode, I'd be I'd be like Take that one off. <laughs> got that one. Take that one well, off. Well, and I was pissed because I saw him in a white water raft and I was like, I gotta see that yeah, white water raft <laughs> one. Like, where is it? The only the only one, to my knowledge, the only one that I now don't hold me to this, but that isn't in any of the episodes is the one where he like pops up behind the airplane wing and they sit and they put Richard Dean Anderson, you know, like he smiles at the camera. That's a shot that doesn't come from any one episode. It's just uh, something they shot for the thing. And they the here's the crazy part. Now we're really down a rabbit hole, is that in <laughs> in subsequent seasons they reshoot a lot of these things because his look changes so much he like gets the blonde he, mullet the mullet comes in way more this is actually yeah, pretty yeah, yeah. Yeah. so they like go back and reshoot a bunch of stuff for the credit sequence so, so that it looks so that it matches but that makes sense uh this sound box that makes i was just like i don't understand how you're brainwashing these characters because the wife brainwashes her husband with that little box on the nightstand with the like sound yeah. box or whatever but like that box is not also, present later in the car or in the conference room or with the reverend or right. Like, so how are they brainwashing him? <laughs> I have no idea how they're doing it. And also that whole conversation when she's like, I don't know if I think she's in the side, he's like lying in the bed. Hmm. He's, he's like, sort he's loose. He's lucid. Asleep. Yeah. yeah he's right, like, right. Uh, yeah. He's like lucid and he's not at the same time. Like it's a weird. Yeah. yeah so they, I think they weren't really worrying about the logistics yeah, the of details. the hypnosis. No, for sure. Yeah. For sure. No. And the like her entire delivery in that scene was so frustrating to me when oh, she was God. like, yes, you will kill these people for me. <laughs> yeah, like it was just like, all right, we're connecting the dots. Like we can get to this. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> she was okay in that scene. She was terrible in the last scene. When she know. was like, when, when, when he, <laughs> MacGyver says he's the mole and she goes and doesn't know it, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's I another mean, thing where it's like you're just explaining what's going on. I mean, I don't want to be that guy, but like when you're casting for that level of attractiveness, perhaps like acting skill isn't at the top of the list of no. <laughs> what and you're did you notice for. also when they when when they when <laughs> minutes before they come in and MacGyver is showing her the pictures of all the people and they talk about her very weirdly. I guess they're trying to. I think they're trying to yeah. convey that. She's been in America a bunch of years and she looks yeah, young. Yeah, like a sleeper cell, yeah. They, they mentioned her looking young a bunch of times, I think because they were trying to convey, I, maybe I'm thinking way too much, <laughs> but that 
that's why she has no accent. That's why she's yeah, right. like, she's been in the country long enough, but she's probably 25. That woman, like she's so yeah, young. That woman yeah. is not more than 25 years old. And the uh, defector, Victoria keeps saying, but it was many years ago. Yes. Yes. It looks yeah, young. Yeah. It's yes. like, yeah, we got it. Like we don't, we get it. She's, constant. she's Paige from the Americans. We understand. Yeah, I also she think yeah. though, that like this, the character they wrote has to be uh, very hot because there is <laughs> no way that you're not letting a non like extremely attractive person get away with anything she does in this episode. <laughs> I mean, the the amount she is talking to him while he's trying to sleep. I'm like this. I could not get away with this. Like I would. <laughs> Like my, my husband would be like, can you shut up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, I have to ask because it's a room full of comedians here. Um, did you all track that the defibrillator was made out of a mic cable? <laughs> Which <laughs> no, probably has like the lowest voltage of electricity, if anything, of any cable you could find in that room. <laughs> I was no, like, I, there's no fucking electricity in that. No, but I did notice that they, they bring him out of it and he's like out of it and he does yeah. it again. <laughs> I know. Like, he's breathing and like... He's already, he's pretty much fine. And he's yeah. like, and, and he goes back for another one. And I'm like, I know. wouldn't that kill him? Wouldn't that <laughs> completely destroy yeah, him? Yeah, that's something you generally do like an extra one. Of. <laughs> yeah, you, don't, you, don't do, you don't do an extra defibrillator for good measure. You're not like, oh, eh, one for the road. And that, uh, when he does wake up, I just wanted MacGyver to say one thing. Like it would have been so easy for a quip to happen there when he says, because he says, Mac, what are you doing? And when he wakes up and it could, he could have been yeah. like shocking, positively shocking or whatever. Like it, we could have had any yes. kind of like pun there or whatever, but instead he just stands there for like a good seven seconds looking like a lost cow. And yeah. then she brings back, uh, Victoria brings back the John Wayne could not have done it better. <laughs> I was like, yes. What does it even mean? Like, it was such an unsatisfying writer, like, the writing wise, it was an unsatisfying ending. I was like, just have him say a quip and have. Yeah, you know, it, it was also unsatisfying. I didn't really feel like they resolved that, you know, the mole is like a friend of his, which they tried right. to beat us over the head with by telling us every mission that they've done together. But they don't have him sort of come to any like, oh shit, sorry, I was going to kill you. Like, whoa, <laughs> no. you know, there was none yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, they also don't spell out that the hypnosis is gone. Like, couldn't somebody right. else just use him right. again? Right. Like, if they had the right parameters. Yeah, and like, uh, that, uh, it's such, I mean, that's the thing. I find this so frustrating because he gets shocked back to life. We have like one line and then the credits roll. And all you need is like, like you need one shot of them all leaving the hotel arm in arm. Yes. And yeah. a crane shot that's kind of pulls up and away yeah. as they're walking away. And then you roll the credits. Like that's all you need and you won't do it. Or you need a, uh, normally there would have been a scene after uh, with him and Pete or something like about right. the beach house mm, thing. Like, like a Pete, debrief. Pete of, visiting him at, yeah. the, at the beach house. And, he, and, he, and him saying, I'm never doing that again. And he's like, well, yeah, hinting at the next to. job or whatever. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. Yeah. And also to get us out of this world that we've created, like, I want something to ground me back of like, okay, we're never seeing Victoria again. We're never seeing any of these other people yeah. again. Normally they do that with like, and the cops come rushing. Oh, the, the uh, army yeah. would come rushing and grab mm -hmm. her and you're going back to Russia. You're doing whatever it is, or you're going, you're, you know, whatever. And you wonder now that we know that these things are just a factory. It's just like, they're just like, Hey, we don't have to do that. Like we don't even have to spend <laughs> the 10 grand it would cost for the day to do, yeah, make a whole yeah. 
like because they're they just were these things were just being churned out. And yeah, we had we had that we hired the soldiers for the first scene, but we couldn't pay them an extra day to come back and do this yeah. <laughs> the final scene, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of examples of that in TV where they're just like, hey, we're pumping these things out. Like Christian Finnegan was in a show. You guys don't probably know who Christian is, I yeah. think, right? Comedian, like yeah. he was in a show, like one of those Tyler Perry shows where you they would make a hundred episodes at once because the whole model was we're gonna sell into syndication right away. Wow. So that's where the business aspect of this comes in. And when you're a mm. kid, you don't know that exists. Yeah. You're like, you're just like, no, you're trying to make the best possible thing for me to have fun with. Yeah. And like that, that's been an interesting part about watching this show is because you can really feel the dynamic and the push pull between commercialism and them trying to make a show that sells and like they can create a formula that they can repeat so that they can sell advertising. Yeah. And then you have the like artistic part of it, which is like obviously a small part when it comes to a show like this, but it is there because you can feel every episode them kind of trying to inch closer to like, who is this guy? Should we give him a boss? What's his character background? And he becomes a totally different character. Like he's kind of arrogant in this first season and he turns mm -hmm. into like a much more humble character. So like they are making artistic decisions, but like all within this framework of like, how can we shit out the most <laughs> commercial? First season's like that. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. That's, there, there's a there's a great one about a uh, great story of that happening on The Office. Not to bring up The Office again, but I enjoy The Office. And it, it was a couple of great things I have heard about <laughs> Something just happened outside. Jesus! I thought you lived alone. Uh, no, I know it's it's. There's like a how. There's like, my my landlord's downstairs, and so we just dropped oh him. Anyway, so Michael Scott, if you watch him in the first season, which was like six episodes, he's super this. arrogant and he's yeah. super rude and mean. And then the makers of The Office saw Forty Year Old Virgin, and they said we need ten percent of that guy in Michael Scott, mm. and that's why he's the way he is uh, in the show. The other great thing about that show is they said the way they were trying to convey it was picture a parking lot just completely paved with a tiny crack in the middle of it. And there's one flower coming out of the, <laughs> of the, so it's like this boring, this mass of boring material with one yeah. thing of beauty coming out. The middle. I don't, I feel like the creators of MacGyver probably weren't having those kind of, no, uh, I don't think so at all. <laughs> aesthetic conversation. It wasn't a high level. Just like, now what are we trying to make guys? Like, <laughs> no, like no, let's an make image. a vision board and figure out you know, how, <laughs> how do we want people to feel? Yeah. 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 The way they do those patterns, like you said, with like we give him a boss, he's like this. We have this one quip here. We get used to it. So the real hypnosis was happening to us. Oh. <laughs> um, well, I feel like so. Usually, the next thing we do is we talk about how it held up. A lot of that stuff we've already covered. Um, <laughs> held up with MacGyver, like like we were saying, it's like it's really hard for these things to hold up because, but yeah. you still because you still have. Uh, TV relationships and then that's what holds up about it like the whole idea of him and Pete like there's thousands of those across television for the past 50 years so it's like at least you still had that dynamic and and that whole that holds up and like I don't know the innocence of it holds up like the, the, the you know it being 80s it's what I'm used to the comfort factor is what is what holds up about it. <laughs> Right. I guess that the question is like, is what you're describing holding up or is it nostalgia? <laughs> you know, what yeah, I mean? right. Is exactly, it blind nostalgia? Exactly, exactly. But it's not a thing where I'm like, oh, my God, how the hell could I have um, watched this when I was a kid? I was like, oh, no, yeah, I right, still know right. why I watched it. Yeah. It is it, the one thing that's been comforting to to go back and rewatch MacGyver is yes, it's the nostalgia, and some things are super goofy, like 
you know, culturally um, with regard to race and class and nationalism, these things mm -hmm. don't hold up. But with that being said, there's not anything that we were like, oh, we have to go back and cancel Richard sure. Dean Anderson for right. like, there's nothing that's egregious, which is good to see. Um, no, right, right, right. God, would, that would, I think that would be the saddest thing if Richard Dean Anderson got canceled. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, really. I'm so sorry. I'd I just know. be like, oh, come on. Not Richard Dean Anderson. Always your heroes. <laughs> yeah. If he, if, if, if Richard Dean got canceled, he would just get out of it with a, a, a thing of twine, a nickel, <laughs> and a, a battery. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to find out where this episode falls on our DTMP rating system. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Justin from Venetian Ginger Ale here. Hey, if you love to laugh, then you're going to get a kick out of reading the ingredients on corporate soda cans. If you want something better for yourself, we use all real ingredients. It's water, cane sugar, unfiltered Peruvian ginger juice, lime juice, and we brew it with cinnamon sticks right here in Vermont. Simple ingredients, people. It's easy. Visit VenetianGingerAle.com to learn more about our local history and where you can get spicy ginger ale. That's VenetianGingerAle.com. We're back with our guest, Sean Donnelly, and we're going to rate this episode. It's time for It's Classified. We're on a mission to figure out what the best episode of MacGyver is, so we're going to rate this episode. Yes. This is kind of a rapid fire game. Each one of us is going to score the enemy within from one through 10 on four different characteristics. Uh, we're going to start with you, Sean, because you're our guest. On a scale of one to 10, how exciting was this episode? Um, I'll give it a, I'll give it a six. Six. Okay. Uh, what about you, Annie? Um, I'm feeling the same. I'm feeling mm -hmm. six, uh, exciting, but not, it, not as action packed yep. as we see him get. Gotcha. Uh, I feel about the same. Yeah. That beginning scene was really exciting, but then it really dozed off for a while <laughs> when we were doing like science experiments. Um, I'll give it a six and a half cause I feel like I've given lesser ones sixes before um all right acting and writing we pair together so uh, sean if you had to uh lump acting and writing together in this episode and rate it from one to ten what would it be Oof, acting and writing <laughs> uh i'll give it a four mm. good acting existed in the 80s like there was things that could be acted well and there was tv shows yeah, like this that could be acted well so we've had this conversation before where like the d division between television and film was so great mm -hmm. that i yes. think that film grabbed a lot of the really good actors and so you look at 80s films and there's great actors in those but a lot of the 80s television is full of terrible actors. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there yeah. was that, there was such a clear divide. So I'd say I'll give them a four. Yeah, and we've talked about the writing too being like plenty, writing's so. yeah, it's very <laughs> elementary. Yeah. Uh Annie? I have to say uh three for this episode. Uh okay. yeah. I, I just put <laughs> you in You're right. No. <laughs> no reasoning uh, needed. Yeah. I'm going to go the four to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be all about the half points. You guys, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a four and a half. Uh, okay. Sheer innovation. This is like the MacGyverisms in the episode. How innovative was he? How, how inventive was he in this episode? I would say, uh, I wouldn't give it much. I'd give him like a, another, maybe I'll give him five on that one. Five. Mm -hmm. Because so I remember in, in general, I remember some of it being like amazing. Like some of it really being insane. <laughs> and all he did, he makes a defibrillator out of electrical stuff. That's pretty straightforward. Yeah. The cool thing at the beginning with the car doing the, 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 the fluid, he's switching one fluid to another. 
that's pretty basic. It was a really cool action scene, but it's pretty basic. And then he had the throwing the chicken thing, which wasn't really what you're talking about. But <laughs> it's right, still right, right. actually the throwing the chicken thing might be my favorite thing in the innovative <laughs> thing in the episode because it's pretty. Yeah, and quick then he, he also did the the breaking the glasses thing, which he didn't really make anything for that. He just like grabbed something. Yeah, already yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'd say five, five. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, he had the scene where he was packing those boxes and he also used uh, the fencing sword. Uh, so for that, we're going to oh, have wow. to go higher. No. Yeah. He didn't get too crafty this one. Um, mm -hmm. so I'm going to say five out of 10. Okay. Yeah. I think I agree with you guys. I think five is the one. Um, so, and the fourth, uh, category is eighties cool factor. Uh, when you, when you think about this in the context of everything cool about the eighties, where does it rank? How cool is this episode? Oh, the episode? Um, not, you know why? Like, like I said, like I, I like the homegrown episodes better than the, inter I'm, I know Annie likes the, the international espionage, but I, I like the, um, <laughs> the, I like the, I like the local ones better. So I'm going to, mm -hmm. I'm going to give that a five as well. Like this is like, okay. from what I remember, I like about the show. This doesn't, this doesn't uh, uh, track yeah, too high yeah. on it. Yeah. Right. What about you? I'm trying to think if he had the things that I usually look for in, in terms of coolness, um, I don't think he had sunglasses at all this episode. Um, he did have I, a leather jacket a lot. He, I do like the yeah. leather jacket. I feel like I have to, I have to at least go six. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, there's some cool things about this one, uh, but not like, I, I keep thinking about like, you know, Miami Vice, you know, sports cars, sun, uh, bathing suits, like that kind of level of cool. Yeah. And a lot of times yeah. MacGyver will fall short of that stuff because uh, they'll like, they'll have him out on his balcony in his Venice Beach apartment and you'll never see the ocean or like it'll be an overcast <laughs> day or he'll like, we've seen him sunbathing on like a gravel beach before. It's like, it's always the least sexy version of he whatever He is in the is. budget uh, part of it's, town. It's a of budget, it's a budget show. He's in, North, he's in North Hollywood. Just hanging yeah. out. So occasionally we, we get these like little glimpses of like really super cool stuff. But, um, but this one felt like, okay, so we have the cold war aspect. That's very eighties. Uh, Okay, I'll give it a six and a half. We have three bonus categories, and it'll get an extra five points if any of these things is true. Uh, does he help out an old friend in this episode? I wouldn't necessarily call... I think uh, it's the other way around. I think Bannister helps him out. Um, um, he, he does like, early on, but then he helps Bannister out by not... He, he basically saves his life. Usually, I think this category is like, uh, he's like coming to the rescue of a friend of his who's in peril. Yeah, which happens quite a bit in MacGyver, and I don't see that that's happening in this episode. Yeah, really. but Bannister but would have been the mole for this weirdo. Had yeah, okay. and or they or they would have killed him right after it, like with the shocks. Yeah, I mean, I'll allow so it if you guys think. I still would give it the bonus. Okay, we'll give it the point. Um, the five points. So, uh, does an ex-girlfriend make an appearance in this episode? No. Um, and is he detained against his will at any point? Kind of. He's almost detained against his will. Oh, does this count? I think of it always as like locking him somewhere. Locking him can't somewhere get out in of. jail. I yeah. don't think that counts. As I don't think it counts detained. either because it's really like momentary and it's just guns on him. It's not like they're putting him somewhere. Um, so uh, it's time to reveal the results. Uh, out of a total 135 possible points, this episode receives 67.5 
points, which makes it the third worst episode of MacGyver we've watched so far. Um, the only things worse than it are Flame's End um, and Trumbo's World at the very bottom, which is the one about all the ants. Uh, still at the top, uh, the top three are Last Stand, Thief of Budapest, and Countdown, uh, respectively. Uh, so there we have it. Uh, Sean, before we wrap up, uh, where can people find you online and what are you doing and what can you plug and all that? Sure. I am on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Shawnee Time. That's S-E-A-N-Y-T-I-M-E. And I have a radio show every Wednesday on Sirius Satellite Radio called Celebrate, where we celebrate one topic per week because everything's so shitty right now. And then um, I also have a podcast myself called the DYM Podcast, which is like movies and more. So we, cool. we pit two movies against each other. I do it with a really funny comic, Andy Fiore. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, hey, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, please subscribe and review and keep in touch. Our website is themacgyverpod.com, and all our socials are at themacgyverpod. If you want to watch old episodes of the show along with us, you can get them on CBS All Access or buy them on Amazon for a buck an episode. Next week, we'll be breaking down Season 1, Episode 16, Every Time She Smiles. Take care, everybody. Remember, in the immortal words of our buddy Mac... Friends are the adventures of life. Good night, everybody. Bye.